This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. From her, I got, um, you know, like that weird vibe in self-defense courses. They tell you don't ignore, like, if you get that off feeling about someone, don't, like, you don't have to let them in your life type of thing. I could tell something was, like, off about Stacy. Part of me wonders if she had, like, postpartum psychosis like Andrea Yates. Just as a little bit of a trigger warning for anybody that is listening, we will be talking about very graphic things that involve newborn children. So if you have uh, or if you're a little faint of heart or you don't. Right. So we will be talking about crimes against infants. Mm -hmm. So if that is something that is deeply upsetting, we highly recommend proceed with caution. Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and also kind of across from Billy Jensen because we are recording in a new spot and we feel fucking fancy. We do really like it here. It's nice stuff. We are in the heart of Hollywood right now. We are. At H House? H Club. H Club. H Club. H Club. It's like a super cool members only place and I am in sweatpants. We right. are right around the corner from the Capitol Records building. Right. Mm-hmm. We are Hollywood also, Walk of Fame. Hollywood just down Walk the block. of Fame. And also right around the corner from the Frolic Room, which is a uh, very famous dive bar that was also in LA Confidential. Oh, it's a great bar. What day is it, Billy? It's National Siblings Day. You picked that one out of all of them? Yes, because... If you're a religious person of the Judeo-Christian faith, the first ever murder was a sibling's murder when Cain killed Abel. Billy loves to flex his uh, theology major muscle whenever <laughs> yeah. he can. The religious studies major. I was not trying to be a, a pastor or anything, but yes. God knows you couldn't be a pastor. It, it is also... Uh, you would be a very interesting pastor. Quite. Honestly, it's... probably one of the better ones. <laughs> right. I'd go to that. I'd go to that church. I would too. It's also Encourage a Young Writer Day, which is always nice. And it's National Farm Animals Day. And you forgot the best one. It is also National Cinnamon Croissant Day. Mm. Croissant. Croissant. Mm. Which I like. But tomorrow. I like a flaky pastry myself. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen croissants being made? It is just like, it's very nice. I haven't. I watch that when I smoke weed at night. I'm going to Google it on the YouTube machine. On the YouTube machine? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to smoke weed when you do it? No. (laughs) But tomorrow is National Chase Darkness With Me Day. It is. Because my audiobook comes out tomorrow. Everybody go buy that. There is a shout out for Alexis and I that is not in the audiobook, but (laughs) 
I, I mean, will, the I will put it. I, it isn't. Can yes, you just but say it at the end? Be like, shout out. Yeah, no, I will put. I will actually. Put, we'll put it up on social. And uh, yeah. So if you like the stories about the Golden State Killer, about the Bearbrook murders, there's there's two big chapters about that. And also, if like like we said, if you want to hear me talk and not have me be interrupted by Alexis and Jack <laughs> for nine hours straight, I believe it's nine hours. Nine. Yeah, yeah. How many pages is the book? Three hundred. Oh, shit. That takes you nine hours? Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Well, it takes us an hour to get through like six pages of notes. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's mostly because we go on really insane tangents. 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 Yeah. There's no no tangents in the the book world. There should be, though. In the audio book There should be me and Alexis like yelling at you. (laughs) Yeah, just berating (laughs) you in the middle. (laughs) But yes, no. So uh, yeah, you can get it at uh, uh, audible.com slash chase darkness or at Amazon. That's the only two places that you can get it. Oh, everybody go buy it. And uh, we're going to move on from that. And two, so, you know, we've been we've been toying around with the idea of doing like a true crime question. And then last week we talked about, I think it was, we talked about Billy's beer carrying habits. Maybe his beard color of the day. Yeah. Like he got a lot of sun that week. But, you know, we've been talking us three about some of the reviews that we've been getting on iTunes and mostly the shit talking. Well, we've actually <laughs> discovered that the reviews about me are the most amusing. They are the funniest. I mean, listen, I'm used to like people talking shit on me. It's like it kind of just comes with the territory. People have been like trolling me since I was 16 years old. So it's not that funny anymore. <laughs> but for Alexis, it's a new it's thing. New. And nobody talks shit on Billy. So that doesn't no, Billy's make... the golden child. He gets oh, no criticism. Believe me, I get I get shit talked on. No, yeah. OK, not on not on our on the podcast. Dark. It's, on, it's, all, it's all in the dark. No, but for the... <laughs> <laughs> They're like this fucking loser. Dude, that he's a cop. Exactly. <laughs> no, but for this podcast, you are the golden child, and oh, me yeah, and Jack yeah. get it? it. But for some reason, Jack Jack's mean comments will be like, Jack sucks. But mine will be like paragraph-long explanations really about why yeah. I suck. And mostly about your breathing habits. <laughs> okay, which have improved, but I'm happy to Listen, address... Listen, you guys should be happy that Alexis's anxiety has calmed down a bit. I'm a Maybe new she's using the right concoction of medication. You Maybe don't... I'm drinking the right amount. Maybe she's drinking the right Maybe amount of Maybe I'm working ahead enough there where I don't have any... I'm not. I'm not under pressure. But either way... We'll take your criticisms in stride. So here's one of the criticisms of the week. And honestly, four stars that they have given us, okay. which is nice. All right. it says, love true crime, love the podcast. But I'm just wondering if Alexis is sucking on candy or something during taping. <laughs> the sucking noises she makes are making it hard to listen. Oh. I've been binge listening for a couple days, but I just had to turn it off because of the noises. Okay. Otherwise, I love everything else. Thank you, right. Gucci Boy 2006. Gucci Boy 2006. <laughs> Gucci, boy, Gucci Boy, I hear you. Um, I don't suck on candy because I'm really neurotic about my teeth. Yes. I don't know what that noise is. Uh, that must have been from the, if he's binging. That's from the beginning. It's probably, early he's from on. the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure I do really annoying shit to everyone I know. So <laughs> I don't think you're annoying. I don't doubt I'm that I'm not an, I, I believe I'm annoying. As one of your best friends, I do not find you annoying Thank at all. You. And I know you Billy? better than anybody. You really do. Yeah. Really? What were you saying? <laughs> Am I annoying? No, not Billy at all. Billy just tunes no. us out. <laughs> are you here? Are you with us? I'm, we, I'm with you. Yeah. I have to say, Gucci boy, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, power through till the new equipment phase. I yes. think it was around episode 15. Yeah. Yes. I promise it gets better. I'm evolving every day. I'm striving to do better every day. Yes. 
take deeper breaths. But I will make noise for my whole life. <laughs> so I don't you know. You are a human yeah. after all. For you, sure. You know what? And we're talking about death and breath is life. So just remember that. Yeah. Yes. I love that. It could be worse. You're 100% right. All right, let's jump into our case. We're going to jump into the case. And this case actually takes us to January 2004. And a bizarre case started unraveling in a matter of hours after a man named Bob Weigart called to report that a child in his presence was not responsive. And this is in the general area of Rochester, New York. We'll get more localized as it applies. Mm -hmm. But a child in his presence was not responsive was what the call was. So the police and EMT rushed to the suburban Candice neighborhood, which is a specific neighborhood in Rochester. And on the way, my assumption is they're probably thinking, maybe we can resuscitate this child. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a situation we can make better. I mean, that's why EMTs are generally dispatched. But when they arrived, they noticed that it was odd when they arrived to the home. They noticed that portions of the house had been charred and it looked like it had kind of been on fire. So they moved through the house and they were eventually led to the basement. And there, Bob, you know, showed them this 30 gallon plastic storage bin that had been filled with concrete around what appeared to be the body of a newborn. And the child's evidently was his infant niece wrapped in a garbage bag entombed in this concrete-filled sort of bin. And uh, Bob Weigart later said to the media, I remember holding it up in the plastic. It looked like something out of a horror movie. I cannot imagine discovering that. I mean, that is truly horrific. something out of a horror movie. Right. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Anything like that. Anything like that. So Dr. Michael Foote arrived at the scene and he pronounced the concrete entombed baby dead at 1020 p.m. On the scene, the police learned that the home that they were called to was actually uninhabited due to the fact that it was partially burned down. The people that had lived there before relocated to a nearby town of Farmington. Bob Weigart explained that he had come to make this awful discovery and he actually had been asked by his sister, Megan McLeod, to take a closer look at the contents of the garbage bag that she had found days earlier in the former home of their sister, Stacy DeBeer. And she was living there with her husband, Brian. Yeah. And Megan McLeod, again, Bob's sister, she makes the initial discovery and she takes a hammer to the concrete and finds the bag with what appeared to be uh, covered uh, like a cloth covering and in what she at first thought was paint but she later learns it was blood and that's it that's the thing with blood particularly when it's older blood it's going to be darker mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to look like you know the red blood it just looks kind of brown, brown. Yeah, black exactly. yeah. it usually looks brown so megan made this made the this initial search because she intentionally went poking around after getting suspicious of stacy so Stacy had been pregnant the previous year, but no baby came out. Like, where's the baby? She said she was Sketchy. pregnant, everything was going on, and then no the baby, baby just no never baby happened. materialized. Never materialized and never I don't think she ever said anything. She it, just, she just not like pretended like she wasn't pregnant anymore. Right. Right. Hi, my name is Jaden. I'm twenty nine. I live in upstate New York. So I'm at the De Beers. In the early 2000s, when 
my family, we moved to the neighborhood. It's called, it's nicknamed Doehaven because all the streets are named after like deer, like buckskin, whitetail, antler. Yeah, I was like 13 and it was the early 2000s when I met them. I knew their two children and other respects for their privacy. I'm not going to say their names. I met them one day randomly when I was out walking my dog named Bluey. Um, I just happened to pass by the house and say, hi, uh, my name is Jaden. It wasn't the type of neighborhood where the adults interacted. It was mostly the kids. Um, the parents were either at work all the time or kept to themselves while doing yard work. But, you know, people would say hello if you said hello and people would let you pet their dog if it was friendly. All right, so let's talk about the couple that we've that is kind of at the center of this. Their names are Stacy and Brian DeBeer, and they're a married couple. Stacy's 30 years old, and Brian is 32 years old. And they had been married since 1995. And they have two daughters, aged six and eight. And the pair had been together since they were, you know, 22 and 23. Brian graduated from a local Hanoi High School in 1990, and then he worked various jobs and he eventually was doing just contracting work and became an independent contractor. And Brian DeBeer had essentially kept a relatively low profile before the police were called to his house that day. So yeah, during the summertime when I was 13, when school wasn't in session and no extracurriculars or sports or anything to worry about, um, we would just hang out in each other's yards basically like a whole mess of us like this would be for example the house during halloween time where a bunch of people from the area would come to uh because it was it's a huge uh development so a lot of kids and stuff so as far as the debir house outside there were like a bunch of kids toys um and like squirt guns and stuff like that so brian kept a pretty low profile but his name was super notorious to the family of a 72 year old woman who was killed in 2001 when he rear-ended the truck that she was riding on candace lake road he struck her car from behind and it caused the car to hit a tree and flip over the crash claimed patricia Patricia Northrup and critically injured her husband, Donald. Brian was convicted of traffic infractions such as speeding and following too closely, and he served 15 days in jail. But Stacy had zero scuffs on her record. So as far as Stacy goes, I interacted more with the husband because he was outside more. She stayed inside the house more, and she was also the type of parent, like, if someone's dog peed on the lawn, she would make you rinse the part of the lawn off with the hose so the grass wouldn't, you know, go bad. And you could just tell that something was off about her. Stacy was, I'm 5'8", she's like, I want to say 5'6". Uh, she had long, blonde hair back then, no glasses, she went to wear contacts. She looked put together, yet sloppy at the same time. Like, she would wear dress clothes, but there would be, like, stains all over it. 
Uh, so Brian Zabir, he was taller than me. Um, he had short hair, um, clean shaven face, um, and overweight. And he'd be the typical dad to wear like sports team shirts and jeans and, or like khaki shorts and sneakers, stuff like that. Brian was more to hang out with the kids and he seemed like a cool guy and I didn't get any bad vibes from him. But again, I could tell something was like off about Stacy. From her, I got, um, you know, like that weird vibe in self-defense courses, they tell you don't ignore. Like if you get that off feeling about someone, don't like, you don't have to let them in your life type of thing. Um, but she wasn't really a pleasant person, though. So needless to say, an investigation into these deceased infants starts right away. And they go straight to the home where the De Beers live now to go and talk to them about this, this discovery that they had in the basement of their former home. When they get there, they immediately want to search this house, too. And they comb through every room. And right when they think they've, they've, they've gone through everything one of the officers makes an unbelievable discovery in the home's garden shed and it's the remains of a second child in a pail also entombed in concrete when i came home from school one day there were cop cars everywhere and then uh later that day my friend uh her name was brenna told me to read the news and it was like a holy crap what just happened when I saw the news. When I first heard it, I heard that they had found two babies to uh, encased in cement and that the Two children they had were getting taken out and that the Brian and Stacy were arrested. As far as reacting to the news, my mom freaked out and I freaked out. That is something you don't expect from, I guess, anywhere you live. You don't expect weird crap to go down like that. And, you know, and I felt bad for the two kids I got to know over the summer. I was worried that something would happen to the two kids uh, at some point, or maybe I didn't uh, get the hint that they were being abused or something. I worried about that every day for over a decade. So upon this discovery, the neighborhood in which the De Beers lived was completely shut down. Now the police had found two bodies of two infants They had no idea if more would be discovered or uncovered in what really they were dealing with. And they essentially at this point knocked on every door to learn what they could about this couple. And also at this point, it's when Stacy and Brian were taken into the police station and separated. Their two daughters were put in the care of family members. So an autopsy revealed that each of these infants were determined to be full term newborns there was no record of their births which meant that they were self-delivered at home 
both were little girls. The baby that was found in the second um, concrete thing had a crumpled up piece of tissue stuffed uh, in her mouth. All right. So. So awful. Awful. So the parents of the two dead infants are in the interrogation room with the police. And here's what they learn. Stacy DeBeer eventually confesses to have having had eight pregnancies. And remember, she has the two living children. She yeah. has the kids who are six and eight. And then these two that were just discovered, yeah. and then now four more. Yeah, so there's three pregnancies that ended in abortion, and she gave up one baby for adoption, and then the two deceased newborns that they just discovered. And Stacy tearfully admits that she had put one of the children up for adoption because she and her husband couldn't afford to raise two children. And then she describes in grim detail giving birth to the two slain children, one in March of 98 and the other on May 10th, which was Mother's Day five days later, five years later, excuse me, in 2003. Another thing I want to mention is that when Stacy is arrested, she is pregnant. Oh, my God. Again? Yes. How old is she? 30. So that was, Very was, that, was eight, that was nine? That would have been the ninth pregnancy? Right. Jesus. Wow. It's, it's fascinating, and we're going to get there. So Stacy essentially said that both of the children um, had been breathing and making sounds before she wrapped their little bodies in cloth and plastic. And they died. Um, when the first one died, she explained that back then she had told a social worker that she was very overwhelmed with raising two toddlers and panicked when she was about to give birth again. She ended up delivering that baby herself on the couch. And when asked why she did not put the others up for adoption after she had put one up for adoption, she said, she didn't know and she didn't know what she was thinking oh, and geez. the infant girl um the first one was born alive but again she said she wrapped it up and put it in the basement because she was scared and at that point when her husband came home brian she told him what happened but the baby was dead and then she said you know brian worried i would go to jail and we thought we should hide the baby Oh my God. So she's continuing, and according to her statement, while their two alive children slept upstairs, Stacy and Brian put some concrete in the bottom of a large white bucket, put the baby in, and covered the baby in concrete. And she said that I never meant for my life to be so out of control. I just wanted the best life possible for her two older children. I'm sorry it seems so trivial. I'm just so tired of everything, but I'm so glad that it's all out in the open. I never meant to hurt Brian and the kids. I don't want a lengthy, drawn-out trial. I just want to plead guilty and end it. Yeah, so she's really just, she's talking about, I don't want to hurt Brian and the kids, meaning her two Children her two alive, older yeah. children that, that are still alive, and she's not talking about these other two children that she murdered. So Brian is asked about all of this, and he corroborates what, what Stacy's story, and he tells police that, quote, we decided to place the baby in a five-gallon bucket and pour concrete over the baby. It was my idea to do this. He said they kept the bucket in the basement, hoping to give the infant a permanent burial someday. 
And then that's also something too, where it's just like, God. you've got this baby in a bucket. How do you not think about that every day? It's just sitting in your basement. And like, oh, so nice that you want to give it a proper burial. Like, great. Well, I think what we haven't mentioned yet is that also one of the babies, both of the babies apparently were delivered at this house that burnt down. Mm -hmm. They only brought one. Right. Over. Right. Because one was discovered in the basement of of the burnt house. And then the other one was in the shed. Right. So they only brought one with them. And right. it's just so fascinating, like the the things your brain is doing to just dis- make these decisions. Yeah, like why one and not the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like maybe they brought. Well, well, I think this is this is coming up, but we might as well just get into it now. Is that apparently Brian knew about the first one, and he helped, but the second one, I guess she said, was stillborn. But it's a lie. She killed that one. She too. said it was stillborn. Right. So maybe in her head, she's like, I'll leave that one. Right. Like that, that represents like me and my husband are in together on this yeah. one. He knows the truth. And, and I'm not a psychologist, so don't crucify me in this. But I mean, just common sense kind of right makes me feel that way where it's like if your partner's in on it with you, you bring it. It's not as much of a taboo thing yeah. to have in the yeah. house, even though it's horrific. It's could not be more horrific. No, because because if you have somebody with you there, then that becomes your new normal. Right. That's right. You, that's your normal. And I, the other person knows it as well. And our normal is we've murdered our child and have them in the basement, which is sick. But is we're in on it. Sick. We, we're in it. We're a team on mm-hmm. it. How do you fi- like uh, these kind of cases always blow my mind where it's how do you find somebody else? Like it's crazy enough for one person to be capable of doing something like this. And how do you find somebody to go along with what you are doing. Well, I sort of get it in this situation. Only, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying like, Brian comes home, Stacy had this baby, it's dead, it's downstairs, she's hysterical. He's like, I can't have my wife go to prison. Like, no one knows this baby exists. Like, let's say we lost it and fucking get rid of this problem, you know? And it's, He doesn't think it's ever going to he doesn't think it's ever going to happen again. Lord knows what she told him, you know, and I don't know. I can kind of see it in this because it's not really a real person to him yet. Yeah. Where it's like they're real. They're adult children have personalities and names. And I think I think I don't know. I've never been pregnant. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what this is like. Billy, maybe you can weigh in. I've never been pregnant either. But, um, <laughs> you are a father. But I am a father. Yeah. No, I think it's just, it, it's the the ideas that, that he was, that he was trying to rationalize this for himself, I think was saying, who's going to take care of the, you know, like this is a mother, maybe she was a good mother or whatever. But remember, you know, who's going to take care of the, the six and eight year olds? If they don't find, if, he, if they actually went and did a burial we're not talking about this case. The fact that they, the, the only reason why we're talking about this case is because they found them in this house. Right. In this burnt out house. So. because they did it twice. And, and yeah. The only reason why we're talking about that, if he actually did what they said he was going to do and actually take the bodies and actually give them the, what, he, what he said was a proper burial, mm-hmm. we would not be talking about this. It would be done and they would have gotten away with it. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. 
Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Most of these cases go undiscovered. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Most of these, I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah, that, but that's what I'm wondering. It's like, why, why, what do you think, like, the reasoning is for them to have just kept them? <clears throat> I don't know. You know, uh, I don't think. I think personally, I or think, it's like, like, do you think it's they don't want to acknowledge it any further to to move it, or know, it's like, is it like some sick I think, thing? I of, think she's not a sociopath. I think she's ill. Sick, yeah. I think you have a lot of mixed feelings, and so you just kind of are paralyzed and you just yeah. leave it there and, and ignore it. And I was reading um, about this kind of crime. It's like neonaticide. It's when uh, babies are killed in the first 24 mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. One of the most uh, glaring characteristics that these offenders share is passivity. You're passive. Yeah. You're passive about the pregnancy You or you deny it. You're, you never want to like confront what's happening. 
So you kind of just ignore and until, it's, until it actually happens. Until it happens, until it and then you ignore. Yeah, you see it with younger uh, offenders who who commit these these acts. Calling them offenders is so hard because a lot of them are teenagers yeah. who are confused and scared. So I don't even want to say that. There's a really famous case uh, where she, a girl, gave birth at her school yeah. and then went back to prom during prom. Oh my God, she didn't even look pregnant. It's not real. That was in they're in total denial yeah. in that they don't even believe that baby's alive. They're like, oh, it was a miscarriage. And, mm-hmm. you know, but they, they really can, believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. I Again, it's like you don't understand it, but it's like I can see that for a, a way younger person. But somebody that has already delivered. That's the thing. Well, you know what these children somebody grow has up or- to be. Yeah, you, you've like- already delivered and you have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old at, at the time. But yeah, you've seen what those things turn into. Yeah, they're not just some like intangible, unalive nothingness. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, we'll get into, we, we do learn later a little bit more about Stacy and her frame of mind. But to reset and recap where we were, so Stacy's interrogation, and she described to the police before the circumstances surrounding the first birth and the first baby. So she did move on to the second baby who was born, as Billy said, five years later on Mother's Day. And she said that she delivered this baby alone in the living room, swabbed its mouth with a tissue, and then used kitchen scissors to cut the umbilical cord. And according to handwritten notes of the investigator who conducted the interview, Stacy said, the baby was alive. I panicked. I wrapped the baby in a cloth and plastic bag and took it out to the shed. Days later, with her kids in the car and the infant's body in the trunk, Stacy allegedly brought, you know, water and two bags of concrete. And she dropped the kids off at her mother's and then drove to a remote location. She said, I took the baby out of the trunk, put concrete in the bottom of the Rubbermaid tote, put the baby in the middle and filled the rest with concrete, put the top on the tote and sat down to gather myself. And, you know, eventually this tote ended up in their shed. So this is the point where Brian and Stacy's stories start to differ. Brian tells police that he got a different story in relation to this second baby. He said, she told me that they rushed her to Strong Memorial Hospital where they delivered the baby. The baby was still the baby was still born and the cord was wrapped around her neck. He said he believed his wife. And when she told him the baby was born still and could not be revived. So she then, that means she did the same, she did that alone with the concrete. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about how these crimes are classified. So this particular act is known as neonaticide. And it's, as Alexis was talking about, it's when a murder is committed within an infant's first 24 hours of life. And these types of crimes beg that question in a country where abortion is legal. And most states have safe haven laws permitting the no questions asked drop-offs of unwanted babies, why would a sane mother ever resort to killing her newborn child? Especially, as we were saying, a mother that had had already delivered birth and was raising two other children. Mm -hmm. And had put children up for adoption, like knows her husband. She's she's done literally everything. Right. Any possibility. Absolutely. So... Back to what was, Billy was saying about neonaticide, an extremely conservative estimate puts the incidence of neonaticide in the U.S. at 150 to 300 annually. And as we said earlier, 
There's no way to know how many times this happens. Yeah. Especially, I mean, most neonaticide committers are under 20, under 25, like college, high school, and they don't show. And it's this fascinating thing, and there are studies about it, where if they don't believe they're pregnant, they actually don't really show. Really? Yeah. So these girls... So it's really psychological... It's all of it. It's yeah. like, I feel like you lean into it when you know you're pregnant and you're embracing it. You eat more and you... You eat more. You're taking your neonatal vitamins. You're doing all this stuff. And yeah, if they're not healthy. doing any of that, those things, then, you know, there's a reason why you're taking the folic acid. And, yeah, yeah. and they're probably dressing to conceal it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these, in a lot of these cases, no one had any idea. They weren't showing this one girl that I referenced in the prom dress was wearing a prom dress. Yeah. That did not look pregnant. Um, so there's no really way to know how many happen a year, but researchers for decades have studied mothers who kill their newborn babies and in the process have found sufficient similarities between cases that, you know, this behavior is kind of considered a syndrome. And experts say that harming the child is not something these mothers anticipate doing once they're thrust into the situation of having to handle a live childbirth on their own. They panic. They act impulsively. Mm-hmm. They want to pretend it didn't fucking happen. Right. Um, and I think a lot of them, like I said, will be like, this isn't this isn't real. This baby's dead. This this isn't a baby. This is God knows what what their brain does when they're freaking out to that degree. So this is actually a book by Cheryl Meyer and Michelle Oberman called Mothers Who Kill Children. And the book notes, quote, Neonaticidal behavior is often influenced by relatively intangible factors, such as emotional isolation and perceived lack of resources, than by stereotypical indicators like race or financial standing, which is interesting because you, you, you see that a lot in suicide as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a 1995 report on psychiatric law from the National Center for Biotechnology Information reported that Neonatal homicide rates were lower in the 10 years following Roe v. Wade, and that neonaticide is proportionally higher in rural areas where abortion may not be socially acceptable or readily available. That's not a shocker. Yeah, it's not a shocker at all. So as far as neonaticide goes, it's considerably more commonly committed by mothers than fathers, um, according to the same study that Billy referenced, so I'm not going to keep repeating that. But um, between 1976 and 1997, it was determined that mothers were responsible for those deaths of children during infancy, while fathers were more likely to be responsible for murders of children eight or older. And I thought that was very interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. So 90% of neonatal, 90% of neonaticidal mothers are 25 years of age or younger, which actually puts Stacy in this very odd 10% category and less than 20% are married, less than 30% are seen as psychotic or depressed. And interestingly, or not so much, not maybe not surprisingly, the U S ranks first in homicide of children under age four. Wow. Hmm. Right. 45% of all child murders occur in the first 24 hours of life. Yes. And criminal psychologist, Philip J. Resnick is actually the man who coined the term neonaticide. And he conducted a massive study on filicide, which is the murder of children overall. As far as her having so many kids and not stopping, I'm glad she put one up for adoption, I suppose. But it's still a, a very messed up situation. And I'm just like, 
There are so many people I know that can't even have one kid. Part of me wonders if she had like postpartum psychosis like Andrea Yates. I don't think she was born evil. I think she was born good. But in high school, I was, we were talking about this and I had a musical director at the time. She was like, yeah, I knew Stacy in high school and we all knew her parents were abusing her. So I think that shaped, that partially shaped her into who she was, was being abused and not getting proper therapy or dealing with it. As far as like having compassion for her, I too have been abused, but I seek therapy and you know, I've stayed out of trouble and shit. So on one level, I understand how she became the way she became, but I don't have empathy or compassion for a person that perpetuates the cycle. We don't know what kind of abuse Stacy suffered, and we tried very hard to get that information. She pled guilty, so there wasn't a trial. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. Uh, that didn't come to the surface. But... Abuse is interesting when you're talking about this situation because Stacy is in that kind of outlier demographic of women committing neonaticide. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's younger. You know, she's 30. She has a partner. Usually, they don't have partners. Yeah. Um, usually, they don't they, have kids. They don't have their own kids. Yep. Exactly. Um, and so, it's uh, her situation is not normal as yeah. far as um, the circumstances surrounding yeah. this happening. And I'm sure abuse has something to do with it. You, I mean, you got to think because she had the option. She knew what the options were. She's gone she had through already, she's every gone through. option. She, she had gone through um, putting a child up for adoption. She had an abortion. She had an abortion. She had the children. She's d- literally done everything that you could do. And you have to think that maybe, and I'm I'm not anything way of, of giving her an, an excuse, but were those processes incredibly traumatic for her that she decided to do this instead mm-hmm. super less traumatic <laughs> i mean that's the, oh my i know God. that's the fucking crazy this thing this is yeah. the most traumatic thing in the fucking world yeah. no but speculating on this is fascinating and everybody listening we're not psychologists this is just our common sense speaking where we're trying no, to we're under- just three normal humans wondering what the fuck is right going on. and trying to understand i mean billy has kids jack and i don't but we understand um life a little yeah, yeah. where enough. it's like yeah enough to know assume we would know what what to do in this situation i don't know but um i don't know what kind of abuse she suffered so it's hard to comment further yeah, yeah. but presumably it had something to do with it because obviously it's terrible. related enough yeah of course, it's gotta be. of course like as someone who's been abused you know i say go into therapy if you're in a situation yeah you can't just fucking go out and take it out on the world you gotta deal with your shit it takes time but it will get better but it's not okay to go out and hurt other people and lash out at other people so what uh so they were both arrested yeah so what charges were they facing um, so Stacey was indicted on four counts of second degree murder in connection with the deaths of her children. 
And uh, Brian was indicted on a charge of hindering prosecution by helping her dispose of one of the bodies in 1998. They both pled guilty at separate separate arraignments. Stacy told the police that she doesn't want a long trial. She just wanted to plead guilty. And Brian said that he was sorry for what he had done. So it didn't look like either of them were fighting this. They're super remorseful and like taking full responsibility. Right. Yeah. So Stacy was held without bail. Brian's bail was set at 75K. And if convicted, Stacy was facing up to 25 years in prison. And this is a sidebar, but during all of these criminal proceedings, Brian actually files for divorce from Stacy. Stacy is eventually sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for killing their newborn less than a year earlier and for killing the second baby girl in 98. Brian is convicted of hindering prosecution for entombing one of the two babies in concrete, and he was sentenced to the maximum. And the maximum was just two and a third to seven years in prison. And Stacy is now serving out her sentence of 30 years to life in prison. So after these sentences were handed down, Stacy's family talked to the media and they essentially believe that Brian had a lot more to do with all this than he claimed and was actually blamed for. So, quote, it's just a bad deal. We knew he had more to do with it, but there was only so much they can do, said Bob Weigart, who is Stacy's brother. And he, at this point, has been estranged from Stacy, like after the legal proceedings had um, gone through. Mm -hmm. I mean, they kind of lost touch because I think it was probably a horrifying situation. Mm -hmm. And Bob continued. He said he has put a hurting on a lot of people. And their two, uh, their children, six and eight year old children, ended up with Stacy's mother and were placed in their care ever since the day they had been arrested. So sad. I know. Oh my God. Like, can't even imagine. So after Brian's conviction, he ended up in prison and he got denied parole twice, both in 2006 and in 2008. And in their ruling board, members who reviewed his case called his actions heartless, cowardly, and heinous. And he was then released from prison on September 16th, 2008. And so his release was not met with joy, but he gets out in 2008 after serving just two-thirds of his sentence. And the state law mandates that prisoners be released at that point, two-thirds, if they behaved while they've been locked up, even if the Board of Parole recommends otherwise. So within a day of his release, he has to um, uh, go to the New York State Division of Parole's uh, Rochester office. He remains under their close watch until January 16th. 2011, which is the date that his prison sentence would have timed out had he served all seven years. Um, as far as having a weird feeling about her and feeling right about that, my gut feeling is typically right, and I'm glad I know not to ignore it. It's, I feel really bad for the children in this case, though, because I don't know what their friends found out or what was said to them growing up. Um, I just hope, you know, they were able to get in therapy and, you know, like were placed with decent family members and stuff. And I actually just hope that mom never gets paroled. As far as doing what Stacy did, I think, like, Bundy, a sociopath, and for her husband to help, I think it was, uh, 
he did it out of love, but also at the same time was a dick move. Because, again, I am the type of person that would have gone to the cops and I would have left that relationship and taken the kids. But that's me. Wow. Yeah. That is a dick move. Dude. I mean, nothing describes that better as a dick move than a dick move. It's the dickiest move there ever was. Yeah. And, like, dick moves, just put it lightly. I mean, like, it's sp- the most fucked up thing in yeah. the entire describing world. Describing right? Stacy as a sociopath, Act- relating her to Bundy, and then just saying for Brian to help, that's a dick move. It's an understatement. It's an understatement for sure. But listen, Jaden is being really nice. Yeah. Because, you know, Brian was his favorite of the two. Um, and he he did hang out with him more than with Stacy. And I think Stacy's just not well. Yeah. Truly. Like, you know, she wanted she cried and she said i want to plead guilty and you know that's not a that's not like a sociopath it's not a sociopath thing to do you're right you know i think i mean i think at the time again it's this this idea of like passive i totally understand what that study was talking about Mm -hmm. it's like you are so scared to confront what's happening that you just and I think it is rooted well, in like, mental illness. Yeah, it's like putting blinders on and pretending it doesn't exist. Exactly. But, you know, could she could she do a horrific, heinous, like, strangling of a person? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, it's for her it was passive. It's like, it's an infant. It can't care for itself. If I put it over here, it'll die. It's a lot, yeah, it won't it's exist. a lot easier to kill an infant than it would be to kill like, well, a human being. It's less violent. Yeah. Well, it's not a, well, they're, not they're human all human being. beings, but yeah, but a, no. A, an adult. An, an adult. An adult or a, or a, or a child that's... Yeah. that's will yeah. react. Yeah, there's less connection. That, that, I mean, the craziest thing about this case is the fact that she had kids. I've I've heard those stories, like the, the girl at the prom. I've heard the stories of, of teenagers that go to the bathroom during mm-hmm. school. Yeah, like teenage athletes and have, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and deliver have, the baby. Deliver the baby in the toilet. Put it in a trash can. And then can, put yeah. it in a trash can. You, you hear those stories. This was a woman who had already delivered birth to two healthy children, had also done the two things that are the... Options. The options, which is, abor- you know, she had an abortion and she also uh, gave ch- a child up for adoption. It's just... There's something there, man. I mean, it's, it's very so odd. strange. Well, it's like, do we want to have that little discussion about if, like, how you're talking about that she may be addicted to being pregnant? Well, I mean, I think just we were talking about the abuse, and I was, I referenced the Diane Downs case. And if you guys don't remember, I had to watch a date, uh, a 2020 on it that just aired to remind myself, but she essentially was uh, convicted of murdering her two children because she was dating a man who didn't want children. And then she, as soon as she did this, she was like being questioned. She went and she got pregnant again. And it's like, she just killed her two children. And, you know, the evidence was glaring. And it's like, I don't know if they see it as like a form of control. And I'm not talking about Stacy specifically in this situation. Yeah. But some women are, I think it's a high, like they love the attention of being pregnant. They, it's a part of them. It's sort of like a narcissistic well, well, we we see this, and this story, as we were starting to tell it, could have veered off into she, you know, she was pregnant, and then no baby materialized, and then it could have veered off into one of those stories where mm-hmm. she goes and she kills a woman that was pregnant and actually takes her baby, which sure. we've seen before. Uh, it this obviously was completely different because she actually was pregnant, yeah, and then she, yeah. 
It's fascinating, and I I, I, I would love to muse about it, uh, but I just don't want to be chastised for not being a professional. But I, I do think I have an understanding of, like, you know, it's part of you, and if you've been abused and you have this horrible relationship with yourself, you don't want these babies, but you're totally, you're looking for love. Like, I, I could see how a <laughs> psychoanalyst may see it. You had a horrible upbringing, hypothetically. You keep having babies because you want people to love you. When they materialize, it's self-loathing. And you're like, get it. It's part of me. I don't want it. it, it I see it. Or like, now it's not part of me anymore. Right. And I, it's, it's this, and this is, again, I don't want to hear any DMs about how I don't know what I'm talking about. Admittedly, I don't. But I feel no, like I, they're speculating. I admittedly, I, I do feel like I'm onto something with this. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah, as an unmedical professional, yes, it makes sense to me. I mean, right. as someone who's been to hella therapy, I know what they would say. <laughs> and I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm close. Oh. So, you guys, I know we talked about a lot of disturbing things, but the truth of the matter is, is that. These are real issues that women grapple with. Yes. Unwanted pregnancy. It's scary to be young and pregnant and not know what to do or old. I mean, people find themselves in situations all the time where you never know what really is going on. Yeah. And I think the biggest takeaway from this is there are options. And I mean, we are looking up the safe haven laws because we don't know that much about it personally. I haven't had to deal with it personally, but apparently all 50 states have places that you can drop off your baby no questions asked so that is good to know and of course there are many other options as well so if you find yourself in this type of situation thank god for google and hopefully there is a better option yeah and i know every state is dealing with their different sort of logistics yeah um, and we have compassion for these situations that come up because no two are alike there's no guidebook for this kind of thing. It's it's scary and terrible. Um, but we will say handling it the way Stacy handled it is probably not the move. Might be the worst way to handle it. Right. And the way Brian handled it too. A dick As Jaden said, it was a dick, dick move. Dick move. Dick move. God damn it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you, Jaden, for being our first connect first degree connection today. We really appreciate you. And um, it was a very interesting story to tell. And I think that there is a lot of takeaways from it. If you are connected to a murder or other stranger than fiction story, please write us at the first degree on Instagram. Slide into our DMs. Alex's link letter at Billy Jensen at Jack Fanick. Um, or you can write into our submissions page or email us. Hello at the first degree podcast.com. My emails pop up in my, actually there's something that's really weird with that email that's on my phone that I only get notifications for that email. <laughs> I don't get any and you read them before me and, and it's people never... who are like, Hey Alexis, I didn't hear back from you. I'm like, bitch didn't email me back. And it's cause you check it first. Cause it's the only thing that pops up as a notification in my we email. We need to app. work on that I because know. I need, I need the notifications. You do. Not I, you. I read it. And I'm like, that's an incredible story. <laughs> do to do sandwich. <laughs> and then I never know about <laughs> do, it. Do to do sandwich. Do to do spritz and sandwich. Yeah. I was like, Oh, what can I do? What am I ordering on this yeah, menu? Exactly. And it's like, oh, I was Ted Bundy's. And I'm staring at the phone waiting for a response and Jack reads it first. So I don't get it. Sorry. Well, you know, that's what you have to do. Like a double tap, like DM Alexis as well. Right. Um, Okay. Well, until then, keep your friends close, but not that close. Happy Young Writer Day.
That's right. It was a cinnamon croissant day. Happy cinnamon pastry day. Croissant. 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 Croissant.